Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peer to Peer Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Willie Morales. And on today's show, I have a young lady by the name of Whitney Nicely. And let me tell you a little bit about uh, Whitney. Whitney went from no investments, all strategies, to 19 houses, 19 apartment units, and seven chunks of land in less than three years, all bringing monthly money to her bank account on autopilot. She has traveled the United States speaking on stages, teaching her simple strategies, and meeting with other successful real estate investors, and still buying the way she teaches others. Whitney's a dog mom to Abby DeLabby, 130 pounds of loving fur, which I love that, wifey to Jason East, an apartment investor, stepmom to Gavin, who's 12, and Harrison, who's 10. Since 2016, Whitney has led and trained hundreds of future real estate rock stars to grow their portfolios, collect checks, and achieve financial freedom. Hundreds of real estate newbies are securing leads, signing deals, and scaling their dream incomes through the first Deal Done Fast program. Whitney, thank you so much for being on Peer-to-Peer Real Estate. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Willie. This is going to be fun. Oh, definitely. So, Whitney, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how did you get that aha moment to become a, an entrepreneur? Well, my great-grandfather started a dump truck company in 1939, so when I graduated college, I went to work for the family business. And my mom has always been a real estate investor, so I was watching her deposit checks one day that she just got out of the mailbox. And I was like, wait a second, Mom, how do I start getting checks in the mailbox every month? And she was like, well, you got to go buy something. <laughs> right. So, I, uh, you know, with no other guidance, she pretty much said go figure it out because that's what she had to do. So I got started investing. I started buying land because that's what I could afford. And then I got into houses. And then I got into buying houses without any money because that's a lot more fun. And then I bought my apartments (laughs) without any money. And that has been a blast. Well, I definitely want to talk more about that. So obviously your mom did give you some support, but pretty much she left you to be on your own. How was that at the beginning when you're, you know, you're an investor and pretty much you, I guess you're learning as you go? Yeah, my mom is an old, slow, boring kind of investor where she saves up a bunch of money and then <laughs> goes and buys whatever she can and then she rents it back out and whenever she gets her money back, then that's fine. You know, she's got no plans, no strategies, no formulas, nothing. She's just throwing spaghetti against the wall. And so I had all sorts of questions. And I needed to know this, and I needed to know that. I wanted a plan, and I wanted a strategy. And how do you know you're making a good offer and not, you know, and she had nothing. So I had to start investing in myself to find other people who did have plans and did have strategies. And, you know, my mom is a really good investor, but there's other people doing bigger deals than she is. So I had to go find people that were doing that so I could learn from other people and learn from my mom's mistake, too. So basically, as you started networking and, and started meeting other people, how was that process for you at the beginning, getting to know people? Did you feel that you had to prove yourself to these investors or you were so comfortable that you say, hey, this is me, this is who I am, I'm learning as I go? You know, it's really tough because I walked into the Real Estate Investors Association meeting in Knoxville, Tennessee. I got an email from them or something and I signed up to go. and. I knew that, you know, I was going to be the new kid in school pretty much, but I didn't realize I was going to walk into a room full of old men because Mm. most real estate investors are old guys. And here I walk in, I'm 28, a young lady, and I was like, hey, y'all, what's going on? And I was at my (laughs) second meeting, and, 
you know, I, I walk in, I start talking to people, and it is intimidating to walk into those events, especially the first time that you're there. But I walked right. in, I met a couple people, um, I did meet two other ladies that were there, and, you know, I decided to go back the next month. Well, at the next meeting, they were talking about something called lease options, and they were going to have a special presentation on a Thursday night about lease options. And I was like, you know what? At this point, I bought two pieces of land. I bought two houses. Mm -hmm. So I was a real estate investor, but I was definitely doing it my mom's way, where I, I sunk my entire life savings, and then I had to go grab my brother's life savings and sink all of it into these houses and land. Okay, so I went broke trying to get rich in real estate before I joined the Investors Association. Oh, wow. When I joined okay. the Investors Association. They were like, hey, we're going to be talking about lease options. We'd like everybody to attend. And I remember after that meeting, the president of the RIA pulled me aside, and he was like, hey, Whitney, I know you're new, but I really want you to come to this lease option training we're doing. And this is one of the lowest moments of my life. I told him I didn't have the $75 that they were charging to come to this meeting because I was literally mm. down to ramen noodles and eating dinner at mom's house because I didn't have any money to go with my girlfriends, and I was I was broke. I was flat broke. Wow. And Victor told me that if I would come to the meeting and pay the $75 that he was charging to come to this, he would give me my money back if I didn't learn anything. Okay. And I was like, all right, old man, I'll be there. That's a deal <laughs> I'm willing to take. He said, fine. So I went, and I'm not kidding you, within 15 minutes of this presentation on lease options, the dude up front was talking about one deal that he did, and he made $25,000. And just for reference, I made like nineteen dollars or $20,000 a year at this point. And he was doing oh, wow. one okay. deal with no money, no credit, no bank, and he was making $25,000. And then he started talking about another deal that he was doing with no money, no credit, no banks, and he was making $50,000. And I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Is, are you for real? And he was just a, another old guy investing in houses mm -hmm. somewhere close to where I right. am, but kind of on the other side yeah. of town. He was like, yeah, let me show you this one. He showed me three deals that he'd done. And on the third one, he made $75,000 with no money invested. He didn't have to flip it. He didn't have any private money invested. He was literally making money out of thin air with real estate. And That's amazing. Needless to say, by the end of that meeting, I had found out who this guy learned from. I put a $3,000 investment on my credit card so that I could go to Jacksonville, Florida, travel, stay, room and board. I ended up spending like $5,000 that I didn't have so that I was completely immersed in real estate and lease options for the weekend. So did you, so I went from, so you use a credit card? I did. I put $5,000 on my okay. credit card and booked myself a trip wow. to Jacksonville, Florida because I literally did not have $75 in my bank account to go to this meeting, but I maxed out my credit card, asked for an extension. I mean, I went all in whole hog on this thing within 30 minutes to an hour. Wow. I mean, but Wendy, it, it shows the dedication that you wanted it, that you were not going to stop until you got this education. And you said, hey, this is my moment. I'm going to do it. And I think that's amazing. I think more people should see that or hear that now that we're talking, that you, you just said, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it. And I got to tell you, my mom thought I was crazy. My mom thought it was illegal. I was a real estate agent at the time. My broker wasn't sure that this was legal with the agents. 
And, I mean, I had all sorts of people saying, you are crazy, this is not going to work. But, Willie, I went to that weekend workshop, and it totally changed my life. And I went in December, you know, some of the busiest time of year. I took a weekend out of my life to go learn about real estate, and it totally changed my life. But i got to tell you, when I was there that weekend, I was so excited. And I'd, you know, been pumped with all this information. And a lot of people have been to these boot camps, you know what I'm talking about. And I got home that Saturday night back to my hotel room. And I was talking to my boyfriend, and I was so excited, and we were going to be millionaires, and this was going to be awesome, and I was going to change, you know, our lives and all these other people's lives, and I was so excited. And he said, Whitney, you have church camp mentality. No one is going to want to sell you these houses. Nobody needs to buy houses this way. You need to give it up and come back home. No. Oh, no. Come on. Really? Just like that, without even knowing that if this could work or not, he just basically shot you down? He completely busted my bubble, and luckily, I am a strong enough person in myself, and I believe in myself, I basically told him to hold my beer and watch this. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And my goal leaving that weekend was to show him that I could do this and that I wasn't whoever he thought I was, and I certainly wasn't him with his fears and, you know, his risk tolerance and everything else and I left putting on Facebook telling everybody that I was going to buy 10 houses in the next year and guess how many I did in the next 12 months many 14 you did the 10 14 I did 14 wow and these were all through lease options yes yes okay wow and he is now my husband oh yes (laughs) okay so he woke up and realized wait a minute, I'm with a powerful person here, a powerful woman, let me shut up and, you know, and, you know, this woman knows what she's doing. That's that's great, yeah. Whitney. That's a great story. <laughs> it was a fight all so, the way through, but I, I help women well, I now to get their deals done because a lot of women have skeptical husbands. They know their woman is awesome, but they're a little timid to get into real estate investing, and the women I talk to are totally gung-ho on it, and... I helped them work through some of that because I was six deals in before he was like, I think you might be onto something. And I was on my 12th oh, wow. deal. I'd already cleared a hundred thousand dollars. And on my 12th deal, he was like, I don't know. I mean, I think you've just been lucky on these other 10, 11, 12. And yeah, you made okay money, but I just don't think you can make it last. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. boy, even after you showed, as they say, the proof is in the pudding. He was still doubting you that you could sustain this uh, success that you were having at the beginning of your career. Absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of people are out here talking about real estate so easy and I only do two hours a week and I make a million dollars and here's my Lamborghini and all that stuff. The way I see it, real estate is a fight. It's the good fight, but you got to keep at it. And yeah, maybe one day it'll be all Lambos and unicorns, but in the beginning, especially, and really for women, it's a struggle. Yeah, you know, talk more about that, especially being a woman in a male-dominated industry. Uh, did you get any people fighting you besides your boyfriend at the time? Uh, any other male friends or or just males in general trying to fight you in terms of you getting into the business, telling you, oh, it's not going to work for you? Or did you have any t- any tough time negotiating with men? Yeah, my dad would also tell me that I needed to, you know, well, make sure you get enough work in. Make sure your boss is happy. Make sure you get everything done for your mom. Make sure, you know, you don't mess up your day job on this little thing that you're playing with. Oh, wow. (laughs) 
So I got it from my my boyfriend and my dad, but also from sellers too. You know, some sellers would be like, all right, yeah, it all sounds good. So when's your uh, husband going to be here to do the negotiating? So how did you, uh, you personally, how did you fight through that? What made you say, wait a minute, you know what? I could do whatever a man can do. What made you basically not quit and just say, oh, you know what? Let my husband do the negotiating. What made you keep going? My mom. My mom was okay. in my corner. She is she is an encourager and an instigator <laughs> to all the way. She'd <laughs> say, you get out there, you do that. If they're, you know, mean, if they're rude, you know, whatever it is, keep going because somebody else needs you. Somebody else is waiting on you. My mom does not even to this day understand how I buy houses or how I have more mm-hmm. houses than she does. She's been investing for almost 40 years, and I've only been investing for four years. I've got more houses than my mom. She doesn't understand it, but she knows that, I can figure it out, and she knows that I need somebody in my corner. And my mom is a small business owner also. She's been fighting the good old boys club her whole life too. I'm just mouthier than she is, and (laughs) I get out there and make a mess out of things more often than she does. (laughs) But my mom has been my biggest encourager. And, you know, some sellers are just jerks. Some people are just unhappy. And, you know, the more you talk to people, the more you realize that, the people who do want to work with you won't care if you're a man or a woman or if you're short or you're tall or, you know, whatever. They have a problem. And so once I started helping people with problems, my life got a whole lot easier. Yeah. The thing is, you know, when you say that men have problems, you know, trying to deal with, let's say, with you. And it's funny because, like, whenever I talk to a seller and it's a woman, I don't even think about it. To be, yeah. to be honest, I'm like, oh, man, good, it's a woman. And not in a, the, the, uh, in a bad way or the derogatory way. It's more like, okay, you know what, I could probably talk to this young lady and, you know, build rapport easier than some guys. Because I dealt with some men that are just a-holes. And I'm like... Yeah. Dude, I mean, I'm I'm trying to, you know, work with you. I'm not trying to steal your house. I'm trying to work with you. I know. So, and, and, I know. Yeah. So, Wendy, when you bought your first house, your first deal, what what was it like and what was it? And how? And I guess the, the main thing is that, like, you, I'm pretty sure you deal with this in your school, uh, is always the funding part of it. How did you fund your first deal? I know you said you use your savings. How long did it take you to save that money to, to do your first deal? My whole life. I mean, I took okay. all of my okay. high school graduation money, all my college graduation money, everything that I'd saved. Uh, the first piece of property I bought was a half acre, it uh, was a full acre piece of land. I bought it at an auction for 1200 bucks, So that one wasn't a big deal. And then okay. about six months later, I bought another piece of land. I paid $1,500 for it. So again, it wasn't a big deal. But what's really cool about that $1,500 piece, it was a half acre chunk of industrial land. And what had happened was in 1992, when I was in the second grade, the city had come through and there was a road dividing my property from my neighbor's property. And the city came through and decided that they would just gift us the driveway and they'd get the left side, I got the right side. So fast forward to when I bought this property, I didn't know Mm -hmm. that that driveway was mine or at least the right oh, side of okay. it. And so I was downtown flirting with the codes inspectors uh, on a house or something that I was working with my mom on. And I just told them about this property on Prosser Road, and the guys were like, yeah, you got that driveway too. I was like, what does that mean? And they were like, well, your neighbor will probably rent it from you. And I was like, really? Wow. I got to go. Bye. And I ran out of the codes inspector's <laughs> office. I drove straight to my neighbor's office, and they're like a big Fortune 500 company, like guys in suits, very proper, need an appointment, you know, the whole nine yards. 
And so I just kind of busted in there like Kool-Aid, and I was like, hey, I need to talk to whoever's in charge of real estate around here. And they said, okay, well, you know, here he is, you know, whatever. And I told him, I was like, you're driving on my driveway, and I want some rent. And he was like, okay, little real estate girl, that's not possible. And I was like, well, have it surveyed, check it out, let me know what you find out. And he was like, okay, sure, bye-bye. So about two or three weeks later, his secretary called me back, and she was like, yeah, Miss Nicely, we've had the property on Prosser Road surveyed, and it turns out we're driving on your driveway, and we'd like to rent that from you every month. And I was like, awesome. Awesome. I was like, well, how much do you want to give me? She was like, well, we'll pay you $250 a month. I was like, cool. And I don't want to be in charge of any maintenance. Will you take care of that? She was like, yeah, no problem. I was like, and how about my property taxes? You want to pay those for me too? She was like, what are they? And I said, about 50 bucks a year. She's like, yeah, no problem. And I was like, okay, because I was feeling pretty ballsy at this point (laughs) in the negotiation, right? I was like, so I've had this property for like three or four or five months at this point. Would you give me back rent since the time I've owned it? And she was like, oh, my God. Yeah, sure, no problem. I love it. And so the first time I got a check from my neighbor to rent my driveway, it was for right at $1,500. So I had all my money wow. back. I free and clear on this property. And that was like three and a half years ago. So we've, we've been paid off on this property for a long time, right? What's so cool this is, is truly this, passive income. <laughs> Well, what's cool is it gets really passive because that was just the driveway. We still had a half acre, right? So we rented a half acre piece of dirt to somebody who needs to store their dumpsters outside, and they pay us $500 a month. So I get 750 a month off a $1,500 investment. Wow. That's Isn't a that awesome? That's a great return. I, I know that's I know that's little, you know, people want to talk about six figures and this and that and the other, but a lot of people just need that one to show them that they can do this and that they can be successful. And that it's not as hard as people make it out to be. Right. So from there, no, I yeah, the I got a little, yeah. I got a little yeah, cocky from there. <laughs> it's okay. Once you got the land, then obviously you know, you started doing the lease options. When did you start with the apartment side of your niche? Oh, man. Okay, so I got to tell you about the first lease option then. After I left that boot camp in December, I went to another one with the same guy in February. I left February on Valentine's Day, ready to go. And on February 28th, I was sitting in the seller's kitchen. I got their house under contract for 122000 My payments weren't due until the 1st of June, so I had three months with no payments. I gave those people a $10 check oh, wow. as my earnest That's money. That's nice. Love it. So I put the house out on the market at 145. Somebody called me and asked if they would, if I would let them have it for 135, and I said yes because I I didn't know any better and I could do the math even being from East Tennessee. The difference in 135 and 122 is pretty good. <laughs> right. So they said, well, the problem is we got to sell our house in Chicago. We'd like to rent it from you until our house closes. And I was like, well, that's awesome because I want to do that. That's exactly what I want is a lease option. And they were like, okay, we don't know what that means. But whenever our house sells, we'll cash you out. And I was like, okay, fine. They said, how much is rent? I said $1,000 a month. They said, perfect. So they started paying me in March. They paid me March and April's rent. And their house oh, wow. sold okay. and closed in May. They cashed me out for 135000 in May. So I got 13000 at closing, but also got $1,000 a month for two months when I didn't have a payment going out. So I made, I had $10 invested, and I made 15000 in less than eight weeks. Wow. That, that Again, that's 
That's a great return on your $10, that's for sure. Isn't it awesome? Oh, my God. Again, that's the math. You know, it doesn't compute. It's such a great return. (laughs) So when you did your first lease option, obviously you saw that it worked, and you continued on and on. So how do you work with the seller in explaining what a lease option is and how could it benefit, obviously, both parties? Well, I, I talk to motivated sellers, okay? Not desperate and depressed sellers, but motivated. Something in their life has happened where they got to go, and they got to go fast. And they don't want to list it. They don't want to put it on the market and wait. They don't want any of that stuff. They just want to go. So the main thing is find people who are going to be more, uh, you know, agreeable to something kind of weird. And mm-hmm. I tell everybody that a lease option is just a really fancy rental agreement with the opportunity to buy the house at a certain time for a certain price that we agree upon now. Right. That's do it. You, it's just a really fancy rental agreement. Do you give the owner or the seller the full asking price if they if they ask for as long as they give you your terms, or do you still negotiate uh, the sale price? I still negotiate it. You know, there's like 18,000 different ways that you can negotiate a real estate deal. The purchase price is not yeah. – the biggest thing to worry about. It's not about buying low and selling high. I can make money monthly and still give more than what the house is worth, you know? So I I usually try to get the house for what they owe on it. And sometimes they owe more than it's worth. Sometimes they have a lot of equity in it. But I try to get it for what I think I can sell it for, either fast on the market or what I could sell it for and make a, you know, really good back-end payday also. I I can get paid on my lease options I try to get paid two out of three ways. So I either want, you know, a big non-refundable option fee up front. I've had people give me $40,000 to move into a house. They stay there for six months and then call and said, hey, we're going to move to South Carolina. See you later. Bye. And just left <laughs> right. their $40,000. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times I can get the house for what people are paying on it monthly, maybe seven, eight, nine hundred okay. bucks, but I can rent it for twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred. So I make three to five hundred a month on each house. And then if I right. buy it, if they owe a hundred on it, but it's worth a hundred and twenty, you know, I can get that twenty thousand back in payday when my tenant buyer gets a mortgage. So I make money three different ways: up front, okay. monthly, and when my tenant buyer gets a mortgage. And so, in terms of the the agreement with the owner, with the seller, uh, how long is that agreement, and how long is the agreement with your future tenant buyer? I try to get five or ten years with my sellers. So that I got enough time okay. that I can have two or three or five tenant buyers come through because I only give my tenant buyers a year or two to get the mortgage. And most of the time, they either want to extend or they leave before that year comes up. I see. And then you can uh, bring in another tenant and all. Okay. No, I, that that makes a lot of sense. Now, in, in terms of lease options, because I hear, and, you know, since you're doing it more often than pretty much anybody I know, do you give the tenants any rent credits? Because I'm always hearing because of the Dodd-Frank Act, some people give credits, some people don't give credits. What's your take on that? It's a separate document, and I usually have my rent, and then people will pay you extra every month for it to go towards their purchase okay. price, but you got to count it differently. Okay. How, how do you do that then? How would you count it differently, if you don't mind me asking? Well, if, if I'm having, you know, $1,000 a month is rent, that's rent. Right. But people will oh, pay me twelve or $1,300, and they'll make a $1,000 deposit, and then they'll make a $200 deposit. Same day, same account. It's just that 200 goes into my account okay. towards, you know, their purchase price or towards, you know, helping them save up down payment because the bank's going to need a down payment. 
I got you. Okay, that makes sense. But they hand it to me, and it's all non-refundable if they leave. Of course. Yeah, definitely. So once you got into, you know, the lease option niche and uh, you saw how successful you were and pretty much everybody else saw that, I'm pretty sure, your first apartment deal, how did that come about? Well, I was taking, you know, I was getting $10,000, $15,000, $40,000, you know, every time somebody was moving in these houses, so I, I was saving it. And then every time I could get a house and I could buy it for cash, I already had cash, so I was self-funded, right? So I bought a oh, really great. nice house, about 50 cents on the dollar, and I did have to put a little bit of work in it, maybe 15000 and I got it appraised. I pulled a line of credit on it. And it appraised for like a hundred and thirty or forty thousand, and I was able to get a hundred thousand dollar line of credit on this house that I had free and clear because I'd used my option fees to pay off one of my houses. Okay. Right. So then I had a hundred thousand dollars that I could use, and I found three different apartment complexes, and on the purchase prices I needed like twenty five thousand, fifteen thousand, and seventeen thousand. Right. Plus, you know, some inspections and some things or whatever. So I basically spent my $100,000 line of credit to use as the down payment on my apartment complexes. And my apartment complexes cash flow enough that I can pay the mortgage on those and double down on paying off my line of credit so that, you know, I've always got thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 if I find something else to use as a down payment again and then, you know, have those apartments paid off also. I tell everybody that I flip houses or I flip contracts, really so that I can buy mm-hmm. apartments. Okay. And I definitely want to talk about your first deal done fast program. Do you recommend uh, new investors uh, to go into wholesaling first, or do you recommend them to buy and hold? I guess it depends on the situation with their with their uh, finances. I recommend lease options first because you can get into lease options. Okay. And you can do assignments or, you know, some wholesaling, some wholesaling. You can do that if you want to. To me, the lease options really creates a good avenue for you to start collecting monthly cash flow. If you make 300 bucks a month and you do one deal a month for two years, you'll have 24 houses that you're controlling, and $300 a month per house is $7,200 a month that comes into your bank account on autopilot. Most wholesalers have to be hustling. They have to be out there. They have to be chasing it. They have to be getting it. And after two years, they're still hustling and chasing and getting after it. But if you do the lease and, options you know, and you just get 300 a month, now you're comfortable. Your bottom line is 7200 bucks plus you know non-refundable what? option fees. And the thing is, Whitney, nobody really talks about that. I mean, and the real estate investors associated clubs that I've been, the the president, her theory or her niche is definitely lease options like you. But whenever I go to any meetings or meetups, it's always get into wholesaling, get into wholesaling. But yes, nobody talks about how hard it is because you got to do direct mail every month or you got to use Zillow, Craigslist. Whatever. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Compare. I'm not saying that lease option isn't, but I'm just saying you're just like you said though. It's a it's you're living pretty much paycheck to paycheck because if you don't do that deal that next month, all of a sudden you know that check that you made in January and February it's gone because you spend it on either direct marketing or cost of living. I, I think your strategy Absolutely. is definitely much better because you you have income coming in, and if you find a, a motivated seller, like you said, my God, you put ten dollars down as as earnest money. I mean, who does that? <laughs> but Whitney does, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
one of my students put a dollar down, and it was an assignment. It was a wholesale deal, and she actually got two duplexes under contract for a dollar each. So she got two dollars invested, and in less than eight weeks, she got a check at closing for twelve thousand dollars, six thousand each on a duplex. Two duplexes. Two duplexes. Wow. Again, that's a great return. That math doesn't compute because it's, it's infinite return. It's a great return. I, and, you yeah. know, and I love the strategy because, you know, I think a, a lot of people are afraid of, of, of lease options because, uh, you know, because of the Dodd-Frank Act. But I think if you do it the, the way you're doing it and structuring it the way you're supposed to, then, you know, I, I don't think you should ha- you will have any issue on it. Um, what do you think about that, Whitney? I love lease options, and but just because I love them, you know, I am a buy-and-hold investor. I was raised by a buy-and-hold investor. I have done some flips. I've done one wholesale deal on an apartment complex, which, you know, when I say that, people are like, oh, you made six figures on that. You had to. I made $3,000. That was it. It was mm-hmm. awful. And so you never wow. know what's really going to, you know, push you to that next deal. But I tell everybody that everybody's a lead source. You have to talk to as many people as possible. You have to put them, those mailers out. But there's also lots of stuff you can do for free in your community that will bring you even better leads because people already know you, like you, and trust you. You don't have that slimy feeling from sending out a postcard not knowing who these people are. No, you got people that can vouch for you. So I try to keep it as organic as possible. I try to keep it as low-key as possible. Mm. So you don't use direct mail at all in, in your business? You Basically, your business is more word of mouth and just being out there I, and being trustworthy and personable. Yes, personable, absolutely. It's about creating relationships with people because relationships are what all the best businesses are built around. And I will say that I do teach yellow letters. Uh, my students, I like for them to send 75 or 100 every week. Okay. And that's the most expensive marketing strategy that I teach. Oh, okay. I also teach how to do that, like, at your home, on your home printer, or maybe going to Staples and getting a bunch of copies run off. But I definitely don't – I definitely have some, you know, down-home <laughs> strategies to getting these deals done. Right. And I think just by sending something out, at least you, you're out there and you're definitely trying to create some type of uh, of, of, of a mailing campaign – because you got to, and it, it always takes is just one, one seller. Once you get that, like you say, you get that first deal, then the next one and the next one and the next one comes right after. And that's what we, you know, uh, me and some of my partners have gone through where, you know, I do buy and hold, but we're trying to get into, you know, do some wholesaling. But I definitely want to look in more into the lease option thing because I think having that and trying to talk a seller, let's say they want 100000 and try to talk them down to like 40000 try to get it to 30, 40 something on the dollar. I mean, I don't know about you, Wendy. For me, that I don't feel comfortable doing that. Where I don't like it because like I wouldn't you, like it if somebody approached me like that either. Yeah, and I think how you do it, where you give the person, hey, I can, you can even pay them more for their property if they give you the right terms. You know, they, yep. they're they're getting the money that they want. So that's a that's a great. Yep. I, I think lease option might be the way to go. I just don't hear enough of it from other investors. It's either wholesaling or or maybe uh you know being a landlord. But the way you do it, and I think the, and like I love hybrid. buying <laughs> land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Whitney, once you got your first deal, when did you decide that you could teach this to everybody else? Like, talk about your first deal done fast program. 
Well, first off and fast is really for the newbie. And even if you are a bond hold investor or you are a wholesaler, like even if you've done deals, you could also say it's your first deal done fast with Whitney. You know, but a lot of my ladies that come through the course have never done a deal. They've bought and sold their own personal primary residences, but they've never been an investor. And a lot of times it's because the media, our society, their parents, their husband, somebody, or a lot of people have told them that it's a man's game. And it's not. Mm. It's very much a woman's game. And so I really primarily work with women, but I help them see that it's totally possible and that they can totally do this. And, you know, I work with them on different strategies, on negotiating. I give them contracts. I've got 14 different ways to find off-market properties that are either free or really darn cheap. A lot of my ladies are also agents because agents get stuck in a rut chasing that clear to close and then chasing it again and again and again and paying fees and fines and all this crazy stuff. And agents sometimes can't see the forest for all the trees. They can't see the deals that are out there because they're so busy right. making sure everybody else is happy. And then suddenly they wake up and they're 65 or 70 and they don't have a retirement. Yeah. I, or that's they a wake scary up feeling. <laughs> yeah. They wake up and they're 40 and they realize how close they are to retirement and how far away they are from being able to retire. And that's what gets them to me. Most of my people are Gen Xers because they've got that okay. urgency to get the deals done. Mm. Have you, in your classes with the women, have you dealt with any baby boomers, any ladies over uh, 45, 50, 55, or pretty much it's the younger crowd? I have a boomer, and she is booming. She, on her very first (laughs) deal, she got a vacation rental under contract. Get this, her payment, her lease option payment on this thing for 15 years with no money down, three months to make her first payment, her monthly payment on it is $1,500 a month. And she brings in... 10000 to 15000 a month, depending on the season for her vacation rental. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. She is a boomer, and she's got, I think, six properties now. And all of them, that's her highest, you know, grossing property, but they all bring, you know, six to 8000 10000 15000 And all of them put together, she's bringing in like forty or $50,000 a month off six deals. Oh, that's great. I mean, and she is a here, even in New York City, even in New York, you can live well off of forty, fifty thousand a month. That, that's no excuse that you can. <laughs> I know. So, besides your 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 mother, um, is there anyone else in business that you look up to that you say, "Hey, I like the way this person works." I read a book one time, "Miracle in the Mountains," and it's about a lady named Martha Berry who was really ahead of her time and really awesome. She founded Berry College, which is in Rome, Georgia, and Berry College owns more land than any college or university in the world. Oh, wow, okay. She used to hang out with, like, Henry Ford and, um, you know, the early 1900s presidents and their wives. They were all hanging out with this lady who was just this bumpkin from North Georgia, and she just had a plan in place, but she had a heart to help the kids of the mountains and to educate the rural community and in the process she bought up you know 30 60,000 30 or 60,000 acres maybe even more maybe that's all they have now wow. but it is still the yeah. largest campus in the world okay i definitely got martha berry okay definitely people yeah look her up you know to be in that company back in the late 1890s 1900 i mean obviously these guys saw something in her you know that like i said the henry fords and 
uh, people of that sort. I never even heard of her, but thank you for giving us uh, such um, wisdom on this lady. So for you, what's your next goal? What's that next step you want to take? I have started a mastermind with my first build and fast ladies. The ones that are getting deals done, we're taking it up to the next level. I'm also starting to do some public speaking at women's empowerment, women's events across the country. I do my own workshops to teach people how to do these deals. And I am looking for a place for myself as a vacation rental. My husband's got a job in Tampa, but I live in Knoxville. He lives in North Georgia in Rome. And so we need a place that we can live in during the week in Tampa, but then we want to rent it out on the weekends, let somebody else pay for it for us. <laughs> so I'm looking for a place on a canal uh, close to Lutz, Florida. So I got some things that I'm wanting to buy, but as far as my investment portfolio, I'm going to try to get some things paid off, maybe sell some places or, you know, cash them out to other investors to pay off my, you know, biggest cash cows. Okay. No, that sounds good. So in 2017, right, now that you have these strategies in place, you have your, your school in place, your mastermind, can you tell us what has been your most challenging uh, time in business, either past or present? When my husband got laid off from his job at the end of June, he came to work for me. So he went from telling me this wouldn't work, ain't going to happen, to him working for me. And what we learned is that we loved each other when we got to spend eight or ten hours away from each other every day. Ah, okay. So you can work for your spouse. You can work with your spouse. Um, but for us, it it was definitely a very trying time for us both to try to be in the office and trying to get stuff done and live with each other. So that, that has been yeah, the hardest okay. thing is just to figure out, you know, just because we've got different opinions and different ideas doesn't mean somebody's wrong. It just means that there's a different way of doing things. And that was that was the hardest growth lesson for me because I've been doing things basically by myself or, you know, with a team that I've hired, but not with somebody that I was living with. And that was okay. that was a struggle. But um it is possible to get into real estate investing with your spouse and not get divorced. Okay. No, good point. You know, what's amazing is, is like I said, it's it's just how you progress over the years and this is all less than four years which, you know, it'll take somebody to go what you did probably 10, 20 years, you know, especially if people say, oh, buy one house a month or, or buy a house every six months. I mean, you did it in a rapid pace. So what are two or three strategies that you could will recommend to any business owner that they have to focus on to ensure their success? You have to focus on something. And as entrepreneurs, as investors, it's hard it is so hard to tell somebody no because we think, oh, yeah, I can do that. It won't take much time, except it's taking time away from your main goal. And you have that's the second thing. You have to have goals. You know, my first goal was to do 10 houses in one year, and I did 14. If right. I made my goal 20, which, you know, at the time I thought 10 was pushing it. And then as I got into it, 14 was like, all right, cool. The next year I did like 20-something. So when you set your goals mm. and you look at them – and you focus on your goals and you say no to the things that are just there to distract you, you'll get a lot further. And you don't, a lot of times, you know, people say, well, you know, I'll start this new goal in January. I'll start this new goal, you know, when my kid graduates high school. I'll set this new goal. No, you can start a new life today. You can start a new right. life on your birthday. You can start a new life right now. But you also need to communicate with your people to say, look, I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do this. And you're either going with me or you're not. Mm -hmm. Do you think, though, that 
it's always fear that slows people down. And if it is, what what is it that they can do to to kick fear in the ass? Pride I mean, and done fear it. are yeah, but pride and fear are best friends and worst enemies because. As adults, we are responsible and we're respected and we've got these jobs and we're, you know, doing this and that and the other. We've got these kids looking up to us and we've got all these things going on. But we let those things stop us from where we could be, where we should be, where we want to be. And it's it's just our pride getting away. And we use fear. Fear's a bad F word in my house. But mm-hmm. it's, it's just our pride, really, that's getting in the way. We're, we're fearful of what? You got ten dollars invested. You afraid you're not going to be able to eat lunch tomorrow? Right. You know, like you got to look at it as it's it's only ten bucks, and money is a renewable resource. Mm, true. Yeah. I, I guess you know people don't look at it that way, and that that is a good point. And I think like you, where you went to the RIAs, to the meetups, and it's just being around those people because you got people that's going to shoot you down, they're going to talk you out of it, or try to talk you out of it. But if you around, uh, you know, like-minded people, I think anything can happen. And just like you, you're your own testimonial because <laughs> you're making it happen, and you got students and people that that work with you and want to work with you. So, Whitney, can you tell us your favorite books that you like to read or recommend to the audience? Uh, well, Miracle in the Mountains by Martha Berry for sure. And then uh, okay. You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Chinchero. Oh, okay. She is awesome. Oh, my God, that woman is awesome. And she's on my bucket list for 2018 to go meet. Oh, okay. Oh, you'll definitely meet her, please. That's a given. You're going to meet her. Or she's going to want to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got Martha Berry. Jen, J-E-N, Chinchero. But no, the that's okay. Is, uh, we you're, a, definitely... you're a, yeah, we'll yeah, put you're up a Badass at Making Money. We'll definitely find her. Badass okay, at making cool. money. Before we let you go, what are you currently working on, and where can people find you? I am working on the First Hill Done Fast. We're doing a webinar next week to sign up some people and, you know, get that rolling so we can start 2018 with a bang. I'm also okay. working on booking more speaking engagements in 2018. So if you've got a ladies group that's getting together, I would love to come and speak. What else am I doing? I, I, I oh, have I've got one. Two, I've got two houses ahead, under contract right now, so I'm looking to close. <laughs> oh, very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll email you because I, I have uh, an, a, speak, a speaking engagement for you that I think you'd be perfect for. So I'll definitely send you an email after we speak. Um, and where can people find you? You can go to WhitneyNicely.com. That's Whitney like Houston, nicely like nicely done. WhitneyNicely.com. Yeah. And I've got a free cheat sheet that your people can grab if they go to getyourfirstdeal.com. Oh, okay. Getyourfirstdeal.com and WhitneyNicely.com. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Whitney, thank you so much for being on Peer-to-Peer Real Estate. Um, I had a ball talking to you. You gave us tons (laughs) and tons of golden nuggets. I appreciate that so much. And I definitely want to follow up with you uh, definitely sometime next year. Before you go, any words of wisdom? Keep going. Whatever it is, if it's a good deal or if it's a bad deal, if it's getting kind of squirrely on you, keep going. Because if you quit now, you'll never know how far you could have been flying and soaring. So keep going. I love it. Winnie, thank you so much again for being on Peer-to-Peer Real Estate. And have a blessed day, evening, week, and upcoming 2018. Thanks, Willie. It was fun. Yeah, definitely it was, and I'll definitely look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Whitney, and have a great day.